Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of November 16th through November the 22nd. Uh, this week, we'll be talking about Venus making a square to both Jupiter and Saturn over the course of the week. Uh, Mercury will be making an opposition to Uranus from the uh, sign of Scorpio to the sign of Taurus. Um, we have a couple planetary ingresses this week with Venus moving into her exile in the sign of Scorpio after hanging out in one of her, um, one of her uh, domiciles in Libra. And the sun will be moving into Sagittarius this week. So uh, we've got some, some shifting sands underneath our feet. And then we'll be experiencing the waxing moon into the first quarter phase. So lots of changes afoot. We'll try to break it all down for you as we move forward this week. I hope that you're all doing well out there. Let's take a look at the planetary condition report. Um, share my screen here. Yeah, it's been a, been a little bit of a lower key week, I guess, uh, at least for me, than the last week when I was, I guess everybody was in the tension of the election and now uh, now that that Mercury-Saturn square has separated, um, we're getting at least some some relief, I think, from that. Uh, and we may see some of that energy returning with um, Venus squaring uh, both Jupiter and Saturn this week. So maybe relationships or partnerships or the way that we're trying to create harmony may, may be leaving us in a little bit of a state of limbo or maybe a little bit difficult to come to completion. But again, the planets continue to spin. So we will be able to uh, eventually move forward from that. But let's break down the planetary condition report and uh, see what's, what's happening in the sky. And we'll get to the details here. All right. So the sun this week is starting out in the temple of Mars in Scorpio, moving from 24 to 30 degrees of Scorpio. It is peregrine in those final degrees. It is fast in motion. Um, it will make an exact square with the moon on the 21st, which is what we call our first quarter moon. And it will conjoin the fixed star Ptolemon uh, at 29 degrees of Scorpio on the 21st. Um, no, that, that happens on the 20th, and then it moves into Sagittarius on the 21st. My Pardon me. Uh, it will be in the terms of Saturn from 24 to 30 degrees, co-present with Mercury and Scorpio, and sextiling both Jupiter and Saturn in Capricorn. Its host is a newly direct Mars in Aries. And there is an aversion relationship to that. It is in aversion to its host, but it does have some connection by like ingirding, which is a concept that means that that planet is, is in a sign that it also rules or it rules uh, two particular domiciles. So Mars is in one of its own domiciles Hence, it is able to provide resources through maybe like a back channel to Scorpio. So that's what's going on with the sun and Scorpio. We're, we're finishing off this um, Scorpio season where we're being asked to let go of old things, old illusions, old habits, old forms uh, to get our, our compost energy on. We just started a new moon in the third decan of Scorpio. I'm actually recording this on, uh, on Friday uh, November the 13th in the early afternoon. But by the time you should be listening to this, we'll have a new moon on, on Sunday over the weekend. And this forecast will be for the waxing moon phase after that new moon. 
So that new moon is good, is all about letting go of old habits, old forms. Um, you know, it was associated with opportunity, Kairos. And uh, it, mostly, though, about uh, accepting that some opportunities have passed. You know, the, the old adage goes that uh, Kairos was this, this diamond that had a lock of hair in the front of its head on its forehead, and you can only grab it from the front when it is coming towards you. If it has already passed, not even Zeus himself can, can corral Kairos. So it's about coming to terms with the, the dreams that we may not have been able to capture. And I think at the beginning of this week, you know, Monday through Saturday, we're going to be coming to terms and shedding the old skin like, like the snake and uh, allowing ourselves the flexibility to be able to breathe again. And hope will return when we move to the, uh, the sun in Sagittarius. We, we hopefully will be able to find a new goal that we might be able to, to put our energies towards and a new enthusiasm. And we'll talk about that because Sagittarius one is all about kind of speeding towards a goal and, and having an enthusiasm that is contagious. Um, there are definitely some, uh, some themes of being able to spread your optimism in that particular uh, situation. So let's talk about the sun in Sagittarius. It will only peak into the first degree or so from zero to one degree. Sun will still be moving fast in that position. It does gain triplicity. The sun will gain triplicity as the, uh, the elemental ruler of the, of the fire signs in the day. Uh, it will also be in the terms of Jupiter from zero to 12 degrees. So uh, an improvement on the condition of the sun, it will, it will become a triplicity ruler where it will have some of that communal support where it's, it might be easier to find your, a group or your uh, community that supports you. Uh, and, and that it will be in the terms of a benefic bound board, which says, hey, you know, the rules that you have to follow now are, are being able to say yes to things be able to confirm and stabilize things around you and have an awareness of what you want to, how you want to promote growth. So that, that is an improvement because, you know, when, when we start off the week, we're going to start off in terms of Saturn, which is about consolidating, uh, you know, letting things go, having the old forms pass away. So most of this week, we will be experiencing the letting go before we can move forward again. When the sun moves into Sagittarius, it will be the only aspect it's making by whole sign. You can see here is a trine to Mars. So this is where we are really going to be feeling the desire to move forward with our lives after a, a period of, of letting go. Uh, and Mars is going to help facilitate that too. And that, that desire to really say, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to move forward. Um, the host of the sun when it moves into Sagittarius will be Jupiter in Capricorn, a fallen Jupiter in Capricorn, where it isn't, it is in aversion to that host. Now that is the only problem we have with this sun. Um, it's, it's um, host is not in very good shape. Uh, it could even be considered potentially a functional malefic. Sometimes I've heard certain authors and Robert Schmidt talks about this too, is a benefic planet that is in a, like its fall or something like that could act as a functional malefic. Uh, so we have to be careful of that with our, with our Jupiter here in Capricorn. Um, so we may want to move forward with our plans, with our goals, but it's, it may be a little bit, the, the, we may be finding that we have a lack of resources. We have, 
because of Jupiter's uh, kind of depressed position right now. Um, we might not really be ready to move forward towards that goal, but I think it is a good time to plan. Um, it's a good time to figure out what it is you really want to move forward towards. And is that goal really being fueled by your higher self, by your good daimon, or is it being fueled by a desire for material security or something of that nature or some kind of material status with Jupiter in Capricorn in that third decan where we're trying to establish our authority rather than maybe, you know, be a, a channel for divine wisdom. So we have to be careful of that. Um, that's kind of like, I would, I would consider this, uh, are you moving towards your goal for reasons of purity or are you, are you selling out towards the goal? I think it may be a question to ask yourself this week. All right, let's talk about Saturn. Saturn is in the sign of Capricorn at the 20, at 27 degrees of Capricorn this week. It is moving fast, but it'll only be moving through that 20 or 28th degree, you could consider it. Um, it it's, it's in its own domicile. It'll make an exact sextile to the sun the same day that it squares Venus, which is the 19th. That is Thursday the 19th. Um, it will be in the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees. And it's making a, a number of aspects. It will be co-present with Jupiter and Capricorn. It will be making an overcoming square to Mars. So again, we want to move forward, but but Saturn is still slowing us down and, and helping us to consider the ramifications of our actions and potentially putting some roadblocks in, in our place. But those roadblocks are the roadblocks that are of maturity, I think. as Sometimes we in our youth, we want to take an action that is um, impetuous, where we just want what we want when we want it. And that's not always in, in our best interest, even though it may come from a place of desire. Uh, sometimes we have to slow down and really consider the ramifications of our actions on other people. And that's what Saturn is doing with Mars right now and saying, you know what, slow down, consider uh, what, how what you're doing or what you're desiring is going to affect others and your community and your world. And then you'll be able to move forward from a, a place of wisdom rather than a place of just um, impetuous youth. All right. Uh, Saturn will also be sextiling the Sun and Mercury in Scorpio, uh, and then it will be squaring Venus in Libra and moving into a trine relationship with Venus when Venus moves into Scorpio. So the uh, we will have an exact square um, from Saturn to Venus. Uh, so we'll have a build-up phase for uh, for a couple days during the week, and that that tension will start to relieve around Thursday. So we may feel like we're trying to expand some of the partnerships that we're working within or the harmonization between us and other people. And we may run into a few challenges, a few roadblocks, a few limitations of circumstance. Um, sometimes uh, we have to reconsider the terms of a deal. And that may be something we're experiencing with, with Venus squaring Saturn also is that there's, we've got to read the fine print before we sign on to our, our partnerships. And then we might be able to move forward again once it passes through that that um, that square relationship. Okay, uh, Saturn is its own host this week, so it is able to draw upon all its own resources. Uh, those resources are the the quality of time, uh, being compelled to move towards something, like being bound towards something, um, but also the the qualities of consolidating things and and compressing things. 
um, making things more like, I guess you could consider making them smaller too, like, like crushing something into a ball. Okay. All right, let's talk about Jupiter. Jupiter is moving through Capricorn as well from 23 to 24 degrees of Capricorn. It is fast in motion. It will continue to be in its fall or its depression where it is in a, 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 home, a house, a, a temple, a place where it is not comfortable. Um, been listening to more of those, uh, those Schmidt lectures and, and kind of un trying to understand the way that he sees the astrological system and the way that he views the astrological world. And one of the things he was talking about was places and, and signs um, where planets kind of, uh, they contribute, they take on some of the qualities of that particular house when they move into it. And some houses have qualities that are like planets, okay? So like, for example, the Capricorn house is like Saturn, where it is consolidating. And we may, may, you know, slow things down. We may have to think about the quality of time. And this is something that Jupiter doesn't necessarily like doing. Jupiter wants to confirm things. It wants to stabilize things. In a modern sense, it wants to expand and say yes, where Saturn is the quality of no. Saturn says no. Saturn says slow down. Um, so when Jupiter is in this temple, it is taking on some of those Saturnian qualities of saying, well, if I want to grow and I want to stabilize and I want to say yes to things, I have to, there, I have to go through a series of no's and I have to go through a series of really considering uh, the ramifications of time. And, you know, Jupiter wants to just create abundance and say, here, have it all, have the cornucopia. And Saturn says, well, maybe you've spent a little bit too much. Maybe you uh, need to really, uh, you know, pare the budget down type of thing. So this is something where, you know, I've, some of the advice I've been giving as Jupiter was, has been moving through Capricorn was take a look at your actual budget. Can you actually afford to do the things that you want to do? Um, at the beginning of Jupiter and Capricorn, I slashed my budget significantly and slashed some expenses that were just, you know, most of it was bloat that I didn't really need. And that I think that's the proper way to use Jupiter in Capricorn. Uh, you can find resources by uh, consolidating. So like, for example, and I talked about this many months ago, but I had a, you know, a phone company that was, my phone bill was really expensive and I, and I really didn't need all the services that it was providing or the minutes or all of these things. And I completely got rid of it and got a much more bare bones phone company as my provider. And it saved me almost, I would say almost $150 a month, which is I found resources by cutting something and by consolidating and by getting rid of something. So that may be one thing to, to consider as we're moving through these final degrees of, of Capricorn with Jupiter before it moves into uh, Aquarius, which again is still Saturnian. So the, the vibe is not going to shift that much. Uh, it's just going to be a slightly different set of uh, circumstances, a more diurnal form of Saturn where we're considering uh, consolidating more on a social level rather than on a personal and inner level. All right, let's move on to Mars. Um, well, let me, let me, first of all, I didn't finish off some of the details on Jupiter. Uh, it will be making a square to, to Venus on the 16th. It's in the terms of Saturn from 22 to 26 degrees. It's co-present with its host Saturn. It is making its own overcoming square to Mars and Aries. 
it is receiving a square from Venus in Libra, and then we'll be moving into a sextile relationship with Venus in Scorpio, and it will continue to sextile the Sun and Mercury in Scorpio. So let's move forward to Mars. Mars is newly direct. It is in the uh, the Temple of Aries, one of its own temples. So it is in a place that is like it. So yes, Mars is said to rule Aries, but this is a place where Mars has, uh, it is very much able to do what it wants to do. And in this case, it, it is a severing, separating, courageous kind of quality that will uh, allow us to separate from the things that are preventing us from crafting an individual identity um, from the collective. So I think Mars in Aries is saying, how can I become a unique point of consciousness? And what do I have to, to, to get rid of and sever away from so that I can become independent? Think about Mars in Aries as a teenager that's trying to, to sever from its parents and say, I need to become independent. This is what I am, and this is what you are not. And that's a process that we all go through in life, maybe multiple times in different situations is what are we and what are we not? And this was creating some tension over the last few weeks because of the opposition with Venus, because Venus is saying, how can we work together? How are we alike? How can we reunify the things that have been separated? So we're seeing this play out in America with um, uh, the, our election that was where we said, uh, this is who we've elected. And a certain a faction of the country is celebrating and saying, how do we bring everybody back together? There's a whole other part of the country that's like, oh my God, this is terrible. And they're feeling upset and angry and things like that. So it's a polar, a very polarized type of feeling. Um, Mars is going to be uh, in the terms of Mercury from 12 to 20 degrees. So uh, there is this quality of destabilization of questioning who we are and, and who we are not. So that is what Mars is being asked to do by its bound Lord Mercury is, is contest uh our sense of identity. Um, Mars is still receiving the overcoming squares from Saturn and Jupiter. Jupiter is trying to help, but it's not in a, in a position to do so. Saturn is providing limitation and, and hardship for Mars right now. Um, there is a, a need to think about the collective. There is a need to think about how we fit into a society and whether our actions are responsible. And you know, think about this as like a teenager is trying to go off and um, establish their own identity, but yet they, you know, like think about it like this, there's a, if a parent will expand their world slightly and the child wants to go have it all overnight, uh, then sometimes the parent, Saturn, has to, to establish those boundaries once again. And, and every once in a while, you expand the boundaries and then you contract them. Think about this with Jupiter and Saturn. Every once in a while, we may see our worlds expanding slightly, and then we have to contract them again because there may not be something that benefits everyone by the actions that we're taking. We're seeing this with the coronavirus and with the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction that we experienced last week, which is a peak, and, and we're seeing the numbers rise again, where we want to expand our worlds. We want to take action and, and get back to interacting on a social level. Um, especially with the holiday season coming up, but yet we ha really have to think about the ramifications of that and potentially uh, be denied some of those personal desires. 
I actually would really encourage you to, to consider your holiday plans very carefully coming up as uh, there are many recommendations by leading uh, you know, scientists that are involved in, in giving us the information that we need that it's not a very good idea to get together with family in large groups or to have you know, parties or celebrations. Um, and I think this is a great time to think outside the box. It doesn't mean you can't connect with people. It just means that you need to do it in a way that is responsible, potentially through like things like Zoom or online or through smaller groups. Um, and I think that that's the way to get through this period of time because we're really starting to see some hardship, uh, well, starting to, we're continuing the hardship, but it's starting to, to increase uh, with the, um, you know, our hospitals being overwhelmed and things like that. I've had some friends right now that have been dealing with, with COVID and, and their, their parents and things like that. And luckily, some of them are starting to do a little bit better. Uh, but that hasn't been the case for over 250,000 um, Americans who have lost their lives to this, this uh, disease. Um, so please, I would encourage you to continue to be vigilant and to continue to be careful. And one um, less than ideal uh, holiday may gift you with a future with those people down the road. And I, I can't stress that enough. Sometimes we have to delay gratification. And that's really what we're being asked to do through the end of this year and possibly into next year. Delayed gratification. That's the mature thing to do. Okay. Let's talk about Venus. Venus will be moving from Libra into Scorpio this week. So it'll start off uh, from 23 to 30 degrees of Libra. It is moving fast. It will conjoin the fixed stars Spica and Arcturus around 24 degrees of Libra. Those are pretty positive fixed stars, Spica being the more fortunate of those two. We'll, we'll break those down when we get to our daily report. Um, it is in its own domicile and in its own terms from 21 to 28 degrees. So in terms of Venus, it will move into the terms of Mars from 28 to 30 degrees. So a little bit of a, a challenge to our, our Venusian harmony when we get to the end of the week. Venus will make an exact square to, uh, to Jupiter on the 16th and then to Saturn on the 19th. So very active week for, Mer or for Venus, excuse me. Um, having a real tough conversation with those Capricorn planets right now. There is a desire to expand. There's a desire to have luxurious tastes and things like that, but eventually the bill will come due. Um, we're also dealing with a continued opposition with Mars in Aries. So while the tension is starting to release, we've had the peak moment that happened last Monday. We're still feeling that tension that that might get a little bit of relief when Venus moves into Mars. At least the conversation will shift between Venus and Mars. It doesn't mean that Mars, Venus's condition is going to improve, but it will be out of that tension with Mars. Okay. So once Venus moves into Scorpio, it will move from zero to two degrees of Scorpio. It will still be fast in motion. It moves into its exile. Uh, it does gain triplicity rulership of the water signs by day. So there is a, some dignity where you, Venus has communal support. It, it, doesn't, it isn't in its own sign anymore. In fact, it's in a sign that is foreign to it. It is in the, in the domicile of Mars in Scorpio. 
And that is a, a tough position because we may try to create harmony through martial means, through being uh, ag aggressively severing from things, through aggressively pursuing desire, lust, uh, you know, some of the more carnal pleasures of life. And th this is, if you have a Venus and a Mar Mars world sign like Scorpio or Aries, one of the things that happens is it's really easy to get to go afoul of the natural order of things because in situations where you may try to, um, you may try to pursue something when the natural response would be to allow it to come to you. Remember, Venus is the, uh, the, the deity that emerged from the ocean like sea foam, right? It was born of sea foam and emerged from the ocean. And it was, she was adorned by these um, little cherubs and, or these nymphs, you know, that, that gifted her with all of these things. And all she had to do was just glow with her phosphorescent essence, like a, like a jellyfish. Uh, she didn't have to pursue any of it. It was just, it just came to her. And we can think of Venus as the good fortune that just comes to us through 2K. Uh, through not having to do anything, through just persuasion, through through just a glance, through a look, through a through a smell, through through uh, beautifying ourselves or glamorizing ourselves, we can receive things. Now, when Venus gets into Scorpio, that it, it's a little bit different. We may a little bit aggressively pursue these things that may lead us into some peril. So, this is one of the things I would urge you to consider when Venus moves into Scorpio is. Can you still allow things to come to you um, rather than, you know, aggressively pursue them? So check your desires. Again, when a planet moves through Scorpio, it is moving through territory that is asking us to separate from the body, old forms, to return to uh, our own spiritual goal, I guess, or, or return to the collective spiritual essence. So Venus is going through that journey. So there may have to be, Venus may experience some separations, okay, in, in Scorpio that are painful for her because what she really wants to do is bring things back together. And it's very difficult for her because the essence of this temple is to separate things, is to, to relieve us of the burden of old illusions, of old habits, of old desires, of old forms that are no longer serving us. So that may be true for some of our relationships too. We may be releasing some of the old relationships, some of the old desires, some of the old pleasures that are you know, no longer serving us or serving the collective. So consider that with, with Venus moving into Scorpio. Venus will be in the terms of Mars from zero to seven degrees co-present with Mercury in Scorpio, and then in sextile with uh, Saturn and Jupiter in Capricorn. Its host will become Mars in Aries, where it has that aversion relationship, whereas it is in aversion to it. Now, the type of aversion that we're looking at is the Saturnian aversion. I've explained this in the past, but let's say we have Venus here. And we're talking about an aspect relationship right now. Now, right now, let's say we have the mercurial type of aversion when a planet is one sign away from something. So like Venus will be in a, a mercurial aversion to the sun once it moves into Scorpio, but it'll be in a Saturnian aversion to Mars 
its host. Now, the difference between those two things, now, now I want you to take this with a grain of salt because there is that mitigating factor of like girding with Mars ruling both of these signs so that there may be a secret relationship. But in general, that Saturnian aversion is that that planet is turned away. It has abandoned that planet. It has abandoned the testimony that that planet wants to bring into existence. Whereas the mercurial aversion is just saying, I'm going to make this really unstable. I'm going to contest everything. I'm going to make it so that it you can't get clarity. It's like a confusing, uh, I think, relationship. So like we may not be able to get clarity on our relationships as far as how it feeds our 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 identities with the relationship with the sun and Venus because of that mercurial aversion. But with Mars and, and, and uh, Venus here, there's, it's just kind of turned away. It's got other business. It's, it's trying to take care of something else. But again, there's this secret relationship called like and girding that I want to uh, stress, maybe mitigating that, that Saturnian denial of the resources that it, that it wants. Okay. Let's move forward to Mercury. Mercury this week is moving from 6 to 16 degrees of Scorpio. It is fast in motion. It will start off the week peregrine, but then move into its own terms at the end of the week. It's in the terms of Mars from 0 to 7 degrees, the terms of Venus from 7 to 11 degrees, and then the terms of Mercury from 11 to 19 degrees. It will be conjoining a number of fixed stars this week. It will be conjoining uh, the fixed star Acrux at 12 degrees Scorpio, um, it will be conjoining the fixed star Alfeca at 12 degrees of Scorpio. The, the Alfeca is uh, a little bit off in, in a different direction on the ecliptic. Acrux is below. It's in the has a southern declination, whereas Alfeca is in the, the northern part. Um, Mercury will also conjoin the fixed star Zubin El Janubi at 15 degrees of Scorpio, which was the southern claw or the southern pan which was associated with justice and social justice, but harsh, harsh justice, like harsh, just, just, <laughs> with, with justice that was a little bit, uh, you know, like a difficult punishment, like nothing that you give is ever enough type of experience. Whereas it's Northern Pan, Zubin El Shamali was the, you know, you finally paid your dues, you've, you've given enough and, and balance is sort of restored, I think. Um, Mercury is going to be making an, op an exact opposition to Uranus this week at, on the 17th, which is Tuesday. Uh, it will also be moving under the sun's beams on Sunday the 22nd. So Mercury goes back into the underworld and, and disappears from view. Uh, now it is moving pretty fast though. It, like in, in um, when Mercury is moving retrograde, it's moving very slow. When Mercury is going into that superior conjunction, Okay, when it's direct in motion, it's moving very fast. So it's kind of like dipping through the, the underworld again, like conjoining with the sun and then coming back out and getting ready to station retrograde again. So, but we'll, we'll look at that when we get to our, our daily forecast. Mercury will be a co-present with the sun in, in Scorpio and sextile to Saturn and Jupiter and Capricorn and also co-present with Venus. Um, its host will be Mars in that same in a version relationship, aka, but also in the liking girding. So uh, that Mars is really playing quite a role for, for the planets this week. Um, maybe frustrating uh, to move forward because we're, we had that square from Saturn to Mars. But uh, again, we're still, we're still in a period of time where we're getting rid of the old and preparing for the new. 
we're getting there. We're, we're, we just have to be patient. This is a transition period. And we're in the transition period with uh, the United States and their leadership. And we have certain uh, leaders in our government that are still trying to uh, prop up the illusion uh, that they are going to still be in power. This is part of the, the sun moving through the third decade of Scorpio is, you know, the suffering that comes from chasing past opportunity and, and past um, dreams. And uh, you can really alleviate the suffering by letting, letting go and saying, you know what, this is just the reality of our situation now. And uh, we have to move forward. The, the wheel keeps on spinning. A lot of our human suffering comes from trying to, to grasp things that uh, have passed through the passage of time. And, uh, you know, I think one of the, the ways to, to stay even keeled and to stay balanced in your life is to really be realistic about what, um, where you're at in your life and what forms are, are giving you, feeding you vitality or feeding others vitality and which ones have outlived their, uh, their usefulness and which, how do we return that spark of spirit back to the pool of resource to be reborn again? Okay, because that, that energy has to go somewhere. And if we keep holding on to the old forms, we're really blocking ourselves from the, the rebirth that wants to happen uh, in, in, in a new form. And that's, the, that's how you can have faith when you're letting go of things is that energy does want to keep recycling itself. It just is going to be in a different form. You know, even, even when we die, you know, we, we're giving up this, this body and we're giving up this life and this identity but perhaps to be born again in, an, in another dimension, in another life, in another time. And, you know, who knows? I don't know that for sure, but that's what the, these ancient mystic, mystics and, and religious systems were telling us. So, we, you know, that's where the, the concept of faith comes in, is having faith in the process. And we can, we can practice that faith on a daily basis to prepare us for that ultimate tra transition that we all have to make eventually. We can, we can practice and flex our, our transition muscles and our faith muscles just by releasing, you know, I guess, uh, hmm, forms that have less, um, oh, I don't know, finality to it, right? Or, or less, uh, less at stake. Like it's easier to get rid of a, oh, I don't know, this past week, I got rid of a really old television that we had. It's very, it's much easier to let go of that, you know, which that's trivial compared to all this, uh, than it is to let go of like a, a relationship. But that's good practice for letting go eventually of, you know, of the separation of your, the spirit from your body. So you can think about it in, in just that you're, you're kind of uh, in training for that ultimate transition. And Life is sort of like a, a training ground on some level, at least if you choose to view it that way. Some people don't choose to view it that way, and that's okay. That's how I view it. I, I like to think about it like that. Um, let's talk about the moon. The moon this week is going to be waxing from that new moon that happened at 23 degrees of Scorpio, which is that third decan that we've been talking about associated with Kairos, aka Opportunity. And we're going to see it moving into a first quarter phase. It will be starting the week off fast in motion and then slowing down. I have a little shortcut on my planetary condition report where you see the moon when it is in 
opposition to Black Moon Lilith here, or the lunar apogee, we can call this, okay? It is fast in motion. The closer it gets, though, to this lunar apogee, the more it slows down, all right? So over the course of the week, you're seeing it starting to pass over into getting close to that, that position, and it, and it starts to, to become slower from apparent in its apparent motion from our position here on Earth. The moon will have dignity by the face in the second decan of Sagittarius starting the week. It will move into its exile, but gain triplicity uh, by the nighttime uh, of the earth signs in Capricorn. It will have dignity in the third face of Aquarius, and then it will be peregrine in um, Pisces, where it finishes the week. And we're going to see the square between the Sagittarius sun and the Pisces moon. So we'll, we'll break that down when we get to it. And one of the things I wanted to talk about before we get into the dailies is I, I pulled a, or I, I did an I Ching for this week. I Ching is a, in a Chinese oracle or divinatory system where you toss sticks or toss coins, and then you get kind of a, you get a hexagram that has changing lines. So you have a condition and then what that condition is changing into. And this, this week was really interesting because I got number 64, which is called Before the End. And before the end is kind of about, uh, the story is that there is a, a, a little fox that's trying to cross a river and get to the other side. And there's all these kind of perils, you know, about, you know, realizing that, oh my God, I'm, <laughs> I'm crossing this river. And, and uh, we're not quite, a, quite across the river yet. There's still some challenges to get over to the other side. And that really uh, feels like it speaks to where we're at as a country in the United States, where we feel this tension and this maybe this anxiety about crossing over to this new reality, leaving this old trauma behind. I think, I think as a country, we've gone through quite a bit of trauma over the last four years in particular, from my perspective, um, with a very divisive uh, president who has split people and who has contributed to this unsettled or destabilized position that we find ourselves in now. And eventually, I think we may come back into some unity. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, it's going to be a hard process. I, I still see many people uh, doubling down on their positions, and that's frustrating, but we'll get through it. And th that's part of the faith of the process. But the, the hexagram it's moving into is number one, which is creation, which is the birth of the new. I thought that was such a beautiful hexagram pair for this, this week is we're really, we're not there yet but we're getting there and hope is going to return and we're getting closer to that quality of hope that I think it, we, we will see moving forward. It's not going to be perfect. We've got a lot of challenges to deal with. We've got a lot of uh, listening to do uh, to, to a lot of different people. We have a lot of uh, things that are still unfair, still unequal, still, uh, you know, there's still systems that are very broken and we begin to fix those by listening to one another and uh, eliminating the, the, I don't know, trying not to come at it from a position of hatred, uh, trying to come at it from a position of love and a position of like, how do we make this uh, the best possible country and system and earth for everybody? I know that a lot of my uh, friends in foreign countries have been watching our elections with great interest, and it could, because for, for better or for worse, America does have a lot of uh, influence on the world stage. 
And I'm not saying that it was gained uh, ethically or anything like that. I mean, I'm, I'm very critical of my country a lot of the times, but I do believe that at its core, there is some beautiful idealism associated with it. Now, has that played out materially? Has, has there been uh, corrupt um, actions that have taken place to, to help it rise to power? Absolutely. And those things need to be dealt with and reckoned with. And I think we are dealing with them. And we are having a reckoning right now when it comes to um, equality for uh, people of color, for indigenous people, for really uh, embodying what those founding fathers wrote into those documents where they said all men, aka all people, what is what it should be, are created equal. And that's something that if we really want to embody the idealistic vision of that document, then there has to be changes. Now, granted, that was written at a time where most of those men held slaves. And that's, that's a paradox that we have to come to terms with in America. And a lot of the wealth that we have in this country was built off of that free labor. And that's something we have to reckon with. And we have a lot of people that don't want that to change. You know, they don't want to give up the power and the resources that they've, you know, Ill, ill-begotten resources. They don't want to give up their land and that, that they've benefited from, you know, a few centuries of colonization. And that's something we have to reckon with. So I'd, I'm not going to solve all those problems in one astrological forecast, <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll try to contextualize them and I'll, I'll sound the alarm. I'll, I'll keep saying that those are things that are important. You know, maybe we get a little bit of temporary relief by having a president that isn't actively trying to pit us one against the other, but that doesn't mean that we don't still hold that person accountable and, and, and ask them to help be part of the change that needs to happen for a, well, a, a more just society. And I will give it to you like this. I'll, I'll say it like this. There was, and you made, you're free to disagree with me on this. So there's two perspectives I could see with this. One perspective is that we're moving from a president that would absolutely not be able to listen to anybody beyond his own completely subjective perspective to one that maybe we have an opportunity to, to get to listen to the people. And somebody, some of you would argue that, well, that it needs to get really bad before it gets better or we need to completely burn the whole thing down before we can reconstruct it. And the danger is that we, because the volume or the heat has been turned down uh, by having someone who isn't as actively uh, calling for division as Donald Trump is, that people will fall back into complacency of the old systems that were not fair, which is a legitimate criticism. Um, now, I personally believe that there's just work to do. I think that it is a. I, my personal opinion is it is a good thing that you don't have somebody actively creating that division, but that puts the responsibility back on you. That puts the responsibility back on your citizens to continue to be the change that you want to see and to continue putting pressure on that system. Don't forget what a person like Donald Trump revealed about this system. Okay, just because the heat has been turned down, don't fall back into that complacency. That's that's the important mission moving forward. 
And there's a, a whole lot of healing to do. And there's a whole lot of coming uh, back to reality because we've had a person in office that has deliberately tried to distort our reality for a very long period of time. And he's been very effective. And he, there is a large portion of our, uh, of our populace that is living in a completely different reality than another large portion of the population. And that's, uh, that is something that we're going to have to really deal with. And how can we bring things back to a shared reality? I don't even know if it's like a, a fact versus truth or versus lies type of thing, which, but I think it can be. But I think when society functions, we have to have some sort of shared consensus as to what our reality is. That's how our democracy works. You know, like think about it like this, you know, there's concerns right now that, you know, we're not having a peaceful transfer of power. And that's something that was held sacred in American democracy, because that is a shared reality that we say, you know, yes, one person lost, but now they will concede an election and we will move forward. And that preserves the integrity of an election. When somebody throws all of the election into question and says, this was done illegally, this was unfair, blah, 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 that creates a consensus reality that is not matching up and hence can create the civil unrest that we may be, yeah, that we are experiencing. Uh, so how do we get back to that shared sense of reality? How do we get back to a shared reality that is beneficial for everyone? And, you know, I, I don't know. I think it just starts by listening. I think it starts by starting to have hope. Uh, I think it's, it is important to denounce the, some of the shadow, hor horrific, type of treatment that we've seen bubble up from our shadow and our underworld type of experience over the last four years through this Pluto return of America. It's important to deal with those things. Can't just ignore them. That's part of how they got the way that they got. Um, but then we have to have the turnaround. You can't, can't point out all the bad things without the turnaround. It's kind of that compliment sandwich, right? We say, here's how it happens. We say, look, America has this ideal Okay, we have this ideal that is baked into our constitutional and, and Declaration of Independence documents, Bill of Rights documents. That's the, the, the good. Then we have like, okay, this is the reality of how this is actually playing out. And here's the unjust things of how that's not actually being uh, enacted. That's the bad. And then we have to go back to the other part of the sandwich, the compliment sandwich, right? We say, well, how do we get back to this ideal? How do we move forward towards this ideal for everyone? It's not that this country is fundamentally flawed, okay? It's that the ideal is not matching the reality. So the beautiful thing about America is that they, they, we are a, a country of people who persevere, but also a country of people who like to innovate. And this is a, this is a country where we should start innovating and figuring out how are we going to move closer to that ideal that is baked into the formation of the country and get back to the, the real uh, idealism. I mean, this whole like, this make America great again movement was like, let's make America like the 1950s. And it, I got news for you, it was not great in the 1950s. It was some of the most inequitable times and kind of like, um, I don't know, illusioned times that you can think of. If you really wanna make America great, maybe for the first time. You need to go back to that 
that driving idealism, okay? Not, not necessarily rooted in the, the actions of slaveholders, but the, the rooted idealism of a country that is created equal for everyone, a country that accepts immigrants from other countries where this is a land of opportunity for everyone, where you can come here and try to build a better life. And I don't think that better life necessarily has to be the capitalistic American dream. That's the other problem that we have right now. We've gotten so wrapped up in like, how do we get our own stuff? How do we become rich like these other people? And that's a, that's, that may be the wrong dream. That's, that's the, the capitalist dream. But I don't think that that is necessarily baked into the essence of our country. Or, or I don't think that it should be, if, if I'm being 100% honest. So those are some things to think about with the Planetary Condition Report and some of my philosophical viewpoints as we move forward to the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction that's happening at the winter solstice, as we try to decide how we're going to create a new paradigm uh, in these Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions in the air signs, which only happens, we only shift elements, we're shifting from Earth to air, it only happens once every two to 300 years, okay? This is maybe we're moving away from that capitalistic American dream where we're trying to like, have, you know, cultivate all this land for ourselves and use it as a resource to a land of idealism, of ideals, of ideas, of air, of where we're sharing something. And there's, there's this less, less of a rat race for um, stuff and making things like industrialized nations are apt to do and more of a, a pursuit of knowledge, a pursuit of platonic idealized forms, a, an exchange of information, right? And I think that's what we're moving towards. And that's where we have to reimagine the American dream, the American ideal. So maybe I'll do a video on this later that's more specifically on that, but all of my stuff kind of gets consolidated into these weekly forecasts. So. There you go. Let's move forward. Let's move forward to Monday the 16th. It's when I started this forecast this week, I uh, I waited for Aquarius to be on the ascendant. And that little digression on America seems to be very uh, indicative of that Aquarius um, that Aquarius experience, you know? That like, how can we, we figure out all these things for everyone in the best way possible? So there you go. All right, let's move forward to Monday. Let's see if I can get my chart to cooperate with me. Bear with me. Thank you. All right. On Monday, November the 16th, the moon is going to start out in Sagittarius. We're continuing our new moon phase that we started on Sunday. And we're going to see the first aspect that this new moon makes is a trine with Mars. So we're going to be wanting to move forward with some of that self-directed action. So that aspect will perfect at 1120 AM at 15 degrees of Sagittarius and Aries, respectively. The moon will then come into a square with Neptune at 4.06 PM 
uh, from Sagittarius to Pisces. So we've got to, we're going to want to move forward, but we might be a little bit confused uh, about our identities and what we want to do. And we may lose a little steam by the afternoon. We may, may burn ourselves out in the morning and then, uh, you know, kind of go off into the, the dreamland in the afternoon. Um, we do have a few uh, significations coming up with Venus on this day. Venus is going to be squaring Jupiter at 12.32 a.m., so we may feel that over the weekend moving into Monday, and it will start to separate over the course of Monday. Now, this Jupiter-Venus uh, square, Venus is in the overcoming position. You can see this here. Okay, so Venus has the upper hand on Jupiter, where Venus is trying to harmonize, is trying to bring things back together, uh, whereas Jupiter is trying to confirm and stabilize things. Um, generally, and this is something that I was reading about in Ren Butler's book, The Archetypal Universe, he talks about uh, extravagance, decadence, overindulgence, um, conspicuous consumption, that, like I was talking about with our late stage capitalism here. Um, we may be trying to smooth things over with our superiors or trying to gain the favor of our superiors. We could also tr be trying to glamorize positions of power since Jupiter is in that third decan of Capricorn, uh, which is called the throne, where we're trying to administrate earthly power. So we may be glamorizing or trying to bring into balance the way that we administrate our, our earthly positions. Okay, so our, our worlds, our, our, you know, our, hierarchical, our hierarchical structures. So I guess be careful of that, um, of, of trying to overdo it with things and, and glamorizing power. Um, but this may bring you a little bit of poise under pressure as well. I think that's what we're looking at with Venus in the third decan of Libras is we're really able to keep our equilibrium when all of these competing interests are happening around us, when chaos is happening around us. It's the eye of the hurricane, so to speak. Now, some other interesting things that are happening on Monday is that Venus will be passing over a very fortunate area of the zodiac. Uh, at around 24 degrees of Libra, it will be making a conjunction with the fixed star Spica. And Spica is also close to the fixed star Arcturus. So we sort of talk about those together. They have different energy. Well, let's break down Spica first. I'm going to go over to the uh, star chart here. Now we're looking at the 16th, and there's the sun. All right. So Venus is over here. There's Venus, and here is Spica. Okay. So Spica is in the in the the hand of the the Virgin. Okay. Uh, the hand of Demeter. You could think about it like that, or you could think about the hand of Mother Mary in in Christian mythology. And this was the Spica was the wheat ear. This was the kind of the, the gift that you gain after the harvest season. It was the concentration point of the harvest cycle. So it's kind of like when you've separated and you've purified, uh, what are you left with? What gift are you left with? What did you really grow into existence? And Venus may be telling you what type of relationships you've grown that are a gift. Okay, so this, this is where you may be attracting benefits from, uh, you know, the sacred feminine, okay, from uh, patrons, from, from your using your powers of persuasion and your grace and your ability to create win-win situations. You may see 
that you're reaping the benefits of that type of action with Venus on the fixed star spica. Now, I like to also think of Venus as a process of catharsis because of its relationship with being responsible for the, the purity of the Greek dramas, which were concerned with expressing deep emotions. So a lot of the times, you know, Venus was thought of as a, as a ritualistic purifying essence. So you may be able to find catharsis or purification in your life through sharing your gifts or through receiving a gift. You know, sometimes we can allow someone else to feel good about themselves by being able to be open to receiving what they have to give us. There's sometimes it's a much better feeling to be able to give to others than to receive. So we are both in turn allowing others to feel that and we feel that ourselves when we give. So maybe allow yourself to receive help around this time. Uh, you may be connecting with talented associates, gifted associates that are able to move you forward in your life. All right. Um, been thinking about this. I've been, you know, re I, I'm uh, full disclosure. I, I, I made another big book order this week, and I have some really cool stuff coming to me in regards to fixed stars, in regards to Greek mythology, and the Greek philosophical basis for astrology. So some of those things are going to start seeping into the forecast, I hope. Um, but thinking about fixed stars, I had this really interesting thought as I was listening to some Robert Schmidt material. Um, and he was talking about the tropical zodiac versus the sidereal zodiac, or the one that was more based on the, the position of constellations. And one point that I wanted to make that he made that really rang a lot of bells for me was that the fixed stars are not just these this million points of power everywhere. They are one power that has many different points. And that one power is that it is an outer sphere. It's containing all of these divine laws. Okay. It is, and they are fixed. So these are things we are drawing upon that are maybe less negotiable than even some of the planetary energies. The planets themselves were sort of like these intermediaries between the laws of the fixed stars and the, the cosmic one mind, the, the great divinity. Okay and us on earth. So Venus may be negotiating on our behalf uh, to receive the gifts of Spica. So do you see what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and one other thing I, I was thinking about with that is he, he is perhaps suggesting that there are certain qualities in the tropical zodiac that we retain, like modality, like cardinal fixed immutable, like triplicity, water, earth, air, fire, like gender, masculine, feminine, diurnal, nocturnal. But perhaps there are some of these other qualities that we study like in medieval astrology, like barren, uh, like aquatic, terrestrial, that are more based on these constellations. And we have to shift those meanings based on the concept of procession because the two zodiacs do not match up. And for example, we're looking at Spica in the constellation of Virgo, but this whole area here, this red line, okay. This is this is uh, this is the um, this is tropical Libra. So we may have to adjust the way that we think about Libra with some of these Virgo qualities, with some of these Demeter qualities, with some of these Spica qualities, okay. And I've been trying to do that with my forecast here for all of you is 
kind of blend this fixed star energy and tropical zodiac energy. Um, I, I, to me, that's a really interesting thing because there's a lot of arguments about what is the real zodiac, the tropical or the sidereal or the constellational or whatever. And I think that I really like that uh, assertion by Schmidt that, you know, it's both and it's, it changes. You know, there's also the, the you know, in Austin Coppock's book, he talks about the decans or the each 10 degree section of a sign throughout history had to shift because precession changes where the, the position of these constellations are in relationship to the zodiac. Now, one thing to remember about the zodiac is it's based on seasonal light. So we have these archetypal mythical stories playing out, but we also have the story of the relationship of light. So we have like the equinoxes where the light is equal. We have the solstices where the sun is at its height and then the solstice, winter solstice where the sun is at its lowest point and all and the transition points between those seasonal crosses of matter, okay? And one thing that you need to consider is that, yes, right now we're in the fixed part of fall. So this area right here from this red line to this red line, sorry for those of you just listening, uh, it is the tropical portion of the zodiac that is associated with Scorpio, which is the, the fixed, solid, stable part of fall. Okay. So we may be really like having a stabilization of our identity, of our gnosis, of our vitality, but, but moving towards composting, moving towards letting go. But we also have to consider the story of the scales because that constellation is, is in this particular uh, tropical area now. Okay. And we have to consider justice. We have to consider uh, punishment. And I think that these are the, the kind of things that the stories that we have to start really examining to get a clear picture of how we're going to use this astrology. And then, and then we can look at those extra zodiacal uh, constellations as well. I think that the constellations and the fixed stars that are really near the ecliptic, this green line, the path of the sun across the sky, they speak really loudly. So for example, Spica is speaking very loudly because it's very close to the ecliptic. Now we're going to examine another fixed star called Arcturus right here, which is still on that project, projected ecliptical line, okay? But it is farther off the ecliptic. Maybe it is not speaking as loud as Spica. Spica has a, a, a quite a quite a you know an influence, but Arcturus is still part of the equation. So Arcturus. Now there are other astrologers out there that will talk about the use of um, Parans or Paranatella. Um, Bernadette Brady was the one that, that kind of brought that back into the, the consciousness of astrologers. And I, I will admit, I don't, I, I've studied some of Brady's Paranatella type of stuff, but I haven't gone into a deep dive with her course. So I, I can't speak with authority on that. But I do know that that there were many different ways to use these fixed stars, whether it was projecting it out from the ecliptic or putting a star, the relationship, Prans is basically the relationship between a planet and a star on one of the angles, okay? And the, the concept from my limited understanding is that it helps you get a more three-dimensional viewpoint of the sky. And one of the things I wanted to bring in with Schmidt that came across my mind was that he's talking about these, these stars aren't just you know, one isn't just active in your life. 
is it, it basically it's like they're all active they're all they're all speaking you know like they're all they're all imparting different laws and and i don't have a confirmation on this but one thought i had is that these pl- these stars uh you know they may speak louder if they're a conjuncture ascendant or if they're a conjuncture midheaven or if they're in a particular relationship with a planet but they're still active in some part of your life so like for example if you have libra in the oh i don't know the fourth house perhaps spica and arcturus are lending their power or their law that that their significations to fourth house themes like your family your parents maybe you have a talented parent maybe you have someone who's really gifted or or provides you with gifts okay and all of you um all of you cancer risings can tell me if this is this is true or not, right? Uh, do you have a do you have a family member that was very talented or provided gifts or something like that, or you know, like, or were they a trailblazer with Arcturus? So Arcturus is part of this constellation here called Butis, and Butis or Butes is the the plowsman. He was also called the guardian of the bear because you can see the bear here. Here is uh, Ursa Major, around who is walking around the pole. And Arcturus or Bootes, um, Arcturus is the bright star here in Bootes, the double star. And Arcturus was the hunter. You can see he has a spear in his hand and hunting dogs that became a farmer. Here's his sickle, all right? And this is the transition from that hunter-gatherer society to an agrarian society. It has themes of domestication. It has themes of... of uh, you know, being able to be a gentle leader or, or some kind of trailblazer also, somebody who is a visionary. So with Venus here, you may find that you are becoming an artistic visionary or you're finding that you are getting into a union that is blazing a trail, trailblazing union. Um, this could be creating harmony as we transition from a more like, oh, I don't know, raw, uh, you know, intuitive type of experience or social experience that is um, difficult to create consensus to one that's more domesticated. And domestication is just following rules that like social rules and social graces so that we can, you know, cooperate as a society. So on Monday the 16th, we may see some themes with, with, with starting to domesticate some of this raw barbaric energy that we've been experiencing for, I don't know, forever how long, okay? So yeah, maybe leave a comment and see if that plays out. Find the Libra house and, and do you have some themes of having a special gift or having a, a, a kind of a trailblazing type of thing in your own chart in where Libra place is placed? I have these stars uh, in the third house of my chart, uh, which I guess, you know, I don't have any, I don't have any blood siblings. I have a lot of step siblings, things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, this could also be people in your community. This could be people that you are in your, you know, in your, your neighborhood. This could be the, the short journeys, the familiar journeys uh, that you take. And I would say that I have uh, a lot of gifts have come to me through just visiting local establishments. Like when I was a professional musician, I would make a lot of connections and a lot of unions by just going to another local musician's show 
Okay. So that's one example of like, I just went through and did something in my local community and, and, and it brought me an interesting opportunity. Uh, so you can think of it, experiment, play with it a little bit and see if this, this resonates with you. I'm not saying that's exactly how it works. I'm just saying that's an idea that I have that, that seems like it would be worth uh, further exploration. All right, let's go back to our chart and let's move forward to Tuesday. All right, on Tuesday, November the 17th, uh, the moon will start off in Sagittarius and move into Capricorn at 11.34 a.m. We're continuing our new moon phase. Uh, the moon will sextile uh, Venus at 2.54 a.m. at 24 degrees Sagittarius and Libra, and then it'll move into Capricorn at 11.34 a.m. The big news of the day on Tuesday the 17th is that Mercury will be making an opposition to Uranus. Now, this is the direct opposition. We had a retrograde opposition a few weeks ago. That was the week uh, the, after Donald Trump was diagnosed with the coronavirus. And he like was talking about his miraculous healing and doing all the strange stuff. And, and he also uh, came to a point where he shut down negotiations between Congress and like the two parts of Congress and the Senate and the House um, regarding the stimulus package. So there may be, there are two things I think we that could come up with this. Maybe there is more negotiations that are revisited again about that stimulus package and Congress trying to figure out what the hell to do to bring some relief to, to Americans, um, but, but it being difficult. Um, I don't know what kind of resolution could happen with that. Um, Mercury is bringing instability or contesting what needs to stay and what needs to go. So there's probably argument about like, what is, what do we need to cut out of this? And think about it. The lawyer on the stand is questioning, let's say, let's use that stimulus package as a, an example. That's the, that's the, um, the witness on the witness stand. This is what we're trying to make a judgment on. If you want to think about the witness and testimony type of themes. And Mercury is the lawyer and arguing for the position of this needs to go, this needs to go, we can't spend this, this is a form that's bloated, let's get rid of it. Whereas Uranus is, if we, we think about Schmidt's uh, take on Uranus, he thinks of it as a transcendental sun, where it is, it is the idealization of a community, the idealization of the collective. Uh, it is that lightning bolt of awareness, the gift the Promethean gift from the gods trying to give us the ability to create new forms from a universal ideal. And that's hanging out in the first decade of Taurus, which is about like fertile fields, about plowing the fields, about planting seeds. So this may be a, a, a real um, conflict between a, a, a faction of the population that is trying to, to, to argue for removing things and this idealism of how we provide and how we give our resources to other people. So I would not be surprised whatsoever to see some things with the stimulus package being argued um, or even come to another stalemate on, on November the 17th. Um, that, is, that, that is a very interesting way that symbolism would play out. All right. In your own life, this think about how that would relate to your own life. Um, 
what is the the stimulus package of your own life? What what kind of uh, thing are you arguing for removing certain things and idealizing uh, new growth? Okay, so like for example, I have this on my tenth and fourth house axis. I've got Uranus in the tenth, okay, and Mercury in the fourth. So over the next week or so, I may be very idealistic about what I want to do publicly and in my career and how I want to move forward and take action, praxis out in the world. But there may be some questions coming up of like, how does that affect my home life? How does that affect my domestic life? What, what needs to be uh, changed so that I can, you know, enact that that revolution out in the public world and that's that's definitely i can i can attest that that's been true like i've been really revamping my my daily routine i've been you know trying to shift some of the responsibilities in my day-to-day life so that i can do more things out in the world i've been doing a lot of research uh in private so that eventually i can bring that to the light of day so think about that access in your own life and where you may experience some questions that are ultimately trying to feed a new idealized growth pattern, okay? All right, that's what I got for Tuesday. Let's move on. On Wednesday, November the 18th, the moon will be in Capricorn. We will begin the crescent phase of our lunar cycle. The moon will be making a trine to Uranus at 1 a.m. from Capricorn, seven degrees cap to seven Taurus. We're going to see a sextile from the moon to Mercury at 3.31 a.m. And then a square to the moon to Mars at 1.41 p.m. We'll finish our evening with a sextile from the moon to Neptune. All right, so the moon is in a place that it's not super comfortable in. The moon is trying to bring, collect everything. It's collecting light. It's collecting the, the masses, the public. But it's in a place that is uh, associated with consolidation and, and death. The moon wants to bring things into form, uh, especially as it's waxing. But it's in a place of consolidation. So this may be a time where we're really trying to let go of things, uh, remember, this this whole lunar cycle is about letting go of things. So this may be where you really have to get real about uh, what needs to stay and what needs to go. Now, there is harmony between these lights. They're in a sextile relationship. They're kind of trying to harmonize uh, the, the, the divine knowledge that you need to let go of illusions with consolidating the forms, okay? So so the moon is actually going to be assisting in that process on this day. So this might not be as difficult of a Capricorn moon as it would normally be if it was not in uh, a, a good relationship with the sun. Now, the other thing we're going to be seeing on Wednesday the 18th is that Mercury is going to be moving into the second decan of Scorpio at 12.37 p.m. So you can see it at about 9 degrees here, but it'll move into 10 degrees around lunchtime. So this second decan of, of Scorpio... Uh, it is ruled by the Sun and Jupiter in the both the Chaldean order face rulership system and then the triplicity rulership system. It's associated with the Six of Cups in the Tarot. Book T and Book of Toth calls it pleasure. 
And Austin Coppock calls this decan an apparatus for mutual distillation. There's a number of fixed stars in this decan, including Acrux, Alfeca, Zubin El Janubi, and Zubin El Shamali. Uh, the daimon or spirit of this decan is, is called Leto, who is the mother of both Apollo and Artemis. So this, this decan, and, and a lot of this uh, information is coming from Austin Coppock's excellent book, 36 Faces. He did so much of the legwork for us. It's just such a gift. And hopefully that'll be coming out again soon so that all of you can uh, have access to that information firsthand. Well, if we see this uh, card, the Six of Cups, we see a figure giving a gift to someone else, this exchange. Uh, there is a, a, some tarot readers that associate this with innocence and also nostalgia. So th this could be where we are remembering these, these exchanges between one another. But this is part of the, remember, we're in the, we're in the sign that is about letting go. So perhaps this is a, a place where we revisit the past so that we can come to terms with it. So we realize that there's a need to let go of something or that we've lost something. It's almost like the stages of grief, right? Uh, you go through this, like you realize that you're about to lose something. This may, maybe this is the stages of grief that Donald Trump is going through. I don't know. And then you go, you go through, you go through this, this like, Oh, I don't know, bargaining phase or denial phase where you're remembering all the, the good times and it, but it isn't real. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it is not the, the fecundity of the second decan of Taurus. It's opposite. It's not the birth of these new forms. It's just this memory. It's this ancient memory of something past. And sometimes you have to revisit those things. There may be a, a relationship in your life that you have to revisit where you're really trying to get to the heart of, of what you're trying to, to glean from it. That's, I think that's what Austin Coffick is talking about with distillation. You're really trying to process the past, okay? And, and in this case, we may be having this processing energy with, with people in our life where we, where we do get into a deep emotional conversation or a deep emotional bond with somebody where we are exchanging information but on this, on putting our heads together on this deep level and intermixing our essences, okay? But eventually, something is, is alchemized from that, okay? And eventually, I think some, the thing that is alchemized is we learn the, whatever lesson that we can take from that, and then we have to release the form. That's what happens in the third decan is, you know, we're starting to really come to terms with those illusions, and if we hang on to them, if we chase those old ghosts, we chase those old memories, that's when we suffer. When we actually let go of them, we, we free ourselves for the new mission, for the new goal, for the new enthusiasm and energy that comes in the first decade of, of Sagittarius. Okay, so with Mercury here, it's okay to revisit the past a little bit. It's okay to like try to figure out what you've learned from the forms that have uh, are moving out of your life. I think it's okay to like, intermix a little bit, but, but don't uh, get attached to it, okay? Maybe this is for your own uh, edification. It's for your own, like, process. It's to go through that grief process. You may have to revisit some of those past associations, but don't do it with the thought that, that's, that this is going to reignite it 
okay? That old form. Think about it in context of this is preparing me to let go of it. This is preparing me to say, you know what? This, this, is, this is just a, an old self. This is an old skin that needs to be shed. And that's okay. That's what I want to tell you. That's what I want to tell you today. It's okay to let go of things. That's the only way you're going to eventually come to the rebirth stage. Don't rush the rebirth stage, though. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to let go. It's okay to remember things. It's okay to acknowledge a life past, you know, but don't get stuck there. Don't get fixated on it. You know, let it pass through you like an emotion. It's okay to feel an emotion, but don't hold on to it. Don't try to control it. Just feel it. This is, this is why the moon in Scorpio has difficulty. Scorpio is trying to, it's, you know, when we feel these emotions, we're trying to control that emotion. This is something that my, my dad has a Scorpio moon. And I've always argued with him because I have a Taurus moon. It's a very different thing. I, I feel things and I, they just, they flow through me. They grow, they sprout, they die, they go, you know? And yeah, I can be stubborn about certain things. But he tells me he can choose to feel or not feel something. He can like, he's like, sometimes I just crush all my feelings into a little ball. <laughs> so it's like, you know, that, that whole like consolidating Scorpio energy. And he's like, I can choose not to feel it. I'm like, I'm like, man, in my brain, I'm like, that sounds really unhealthy. <laughs> like, because I'm of the belief that if you don't acknowledge your feelings, that you can manifest physical dis-ease. So I, I worry about my dad sometimes. And I worry about that uh, denial of, of his emotional nature sometimes and encourage him sometimes to express his feelings so that it doesn't manifest as a physical ailment or illness eventually. So, you know, think about that. Think about what you're going to be working through with that Mercury in the second decan of Scorpio. All right, let's move forward to Thursday. On Thursday, November the 19th, the moon will be in Capricorn and will move into Aquarius at 3.24 p.m., continuing our crescent moon phase. Now, that crescent moon phase is where we're gathering resources, where we're gathering information um, after the new moon. We're trying to mobilize things. We're trying to get ourselves moving. So we're, we're really trying to mobilize the process of letting go of the, the past. And the moon's going to make a number of aspects on Thursday the 19th. This is a very active day. Uh, it's going to conjoin all of the Capricorn planets, okay, Jupiter, uh, Pluto, and Saturn. So it's going to first hit Pluto, then Jupiter, then Saturn in the morning. It's going to square Venus at 11.16 a.m. in Libra, and then make a sextile with the, with the sun at 11.29 a.m. Now, the sun itself is going to be sextiling Saturn, and Venus is going to be making a square to Saturn. So we've got two non-lunar aspects and a number of lunar aspects activating all this stuff. All right, so let's break this down. So the moon's going through that, that process of, of activating Capricorn 3, which is administration of power. And there's a number of different uh, things going on here. You've got Pluto, which is exposing corruption. It's, it's heating the process of change of the both fecundity and fermentation. It's breaking down old structures and, and encouraging the uh, achemical process 
of creating nuance. Jupiter is trying to confirm and stabilize those positions of power. It's, it's trying to create abundance, but it's not really able to do so in the way that it prefers. And Saturn is, is you know, depriving, has a deprivation energy. It has a like uh, quality of time of a non-K, which is something that is compelling us towards completion. Okay, that's what a non-K does. It compels. It uses the quality of time. Kronos and a non-K were, were lovers. Okay, they were consorts. They were married. So time and the, com the compelling nature are bedfellows. So through the quality of time, we are compelled to do things. And whether we like it or not, you know, time keeps on marching on. Time keeps compelling uh, universal forces to, to birth and to die. There is growth and there's entropy. And Saturn, I think, represents, uh, you know, we mo more associate it with the entropy qualities. But I do think that Saturn can birth something as well. Uh, I, I do think that it's, it just takes time. The birth that comes from Saturn is like the result of a long enduring slog through something. It's like the achievement at the end of a lifetime type of thing is the rewards of Saturn or the rewards of really hard work or, or of accepting uh, a fate that you can't change, that, uh, accepting a contract or accepting something you've been bound to. Saturn also has the, the role of nemesis, you know, which we talked about with the third decan of, of Libra, which is restoring right proportion, restores balance, sometimes through punishment sometimes through reward, okay? So, but it is, it is bringing things back into harmony. And I, I think we can embrace Saturn on that level. It's not always fun. When we get bloat, when we have overgrown something, we start to, we get to a point of diminishing returns where we start to, it starts to become toxic. Imagine you had, you know, you're a little kid and you went out and got a whole bag of Halloween candy. The first few pieces of candy were so delicious. That's Jupiter. It's Venus and Jupiter, right? It's like, oh, I I've received candy, Venus, and I'm going to eat all of it because I love it, Jupiter, and I'm just going to keep eating and keep eating and keep eating. Well, eventually Saturn comes along and says, you know, maybe in the form of your, your mom or your dad, or <laughs> like, stop eating that. You're going to get sick. If you, if you keep eating that, you're going to throw up. If you keep eating that, you're not going to be able to sleep tonight. That's Saturn. And so what is the gift of that? It's restoring you back to balance after you've shoved your face full of Reese's peanut butter cups and junior mints to the point of feeling sick. And that's, that's liberation. That's a gift. And yeah, it's not fun, but it's necessary. So I, I think consider that as we move forward with these, these contacts with Saturn. Now, Saturn's going to be assisting that process of letting go that we started at the new moon at 23 degrees Scorpio, okay? There's going to be a, an awareness of what has to be brought back into balance, and sometimes that comes through death, okay? Now, with Venus making a square, Venus is that pleasure principle. It's that attraction principle. It is a cleansing principle. Saturn was associated with things that were dirty, things that were old, things that were decaying. I like to think of the Marie Kondo. She, I think she has a Jupiter, or sorry, a Venus-Saturn conjunction, I believe in Libra, where they have a lot of dignity. So she's, she has the, the life-changing magic of tidying up. So she goes into disgusting, you know, out-of-balance 
you know, places and she cleans them up and she has, takes joy in it. She makes it this beautiful ritualistic thing. And this may be what we are struggling with, with the square. Whereas we're trying to beautify, we're trying to harmonize, but we realize that the task ahead is, is daunting. The task ahead is difficult. The task ahead takes time. It takes, uh, an, you know, our inner parent to say, you've had enough Halloween candy. Or if we're in America, you've had enough, you know, rampant, soulless capitalism. You've had enough uh, materialistic, uh, masculine, um, or machismo independence. It's time to work together, right? You've had an, you've gone as far as you can go with this, like, I only rely on myself and I'm going to get mine because that's just not working for everyone. I don't know if it ever did. It, it, it probably never did. I mean, there is something slightly romantic about it, I guess, if you choose to romanticize it. But this is, I mean, this is the problem that we have. And Donald Trump's a, a great example of this. He, he, he represents that old, like, John Wayne cowboy mentality where and even admitting defeat is this like threat to his, you know, imagined masculinity. And I'm here to say that like to be become a balanced human being, you've got to be both. You've got to be someone independent who also is allowing yourself to receive help. You know, you have to be somebody who is a, you know, gracious in victory and, and but also in defeat. And, and you have to be someone who is in touch with both that diurnal and nocturnal side of yourself, the receptive and the, oh, I don't know, uh, active part. Otherwise, you just become a caricature of this and you become really out of whack. And I, I urge you to consider that this week if, if this is playing out in your own life, is many of the spiritual traditions that I've studied and that have been studied over the course of history, they really speak to the concept of balance. They, they speak to the concept of, you know, the earth is trying to balance itself out. It's trying to create harmony. Okay. Sometimes we get out of harmony and then we return to it. And that's this constant cycle. So I want you to examine where you may be out of balance and out of harmony and use your, use or ask Saturn, don't use Saturn. Ask Saturn to help you restore that right proportion. That's the gift it gives you. And that is worth acknowledging and, and celebrating. All right. We have a fixed star placement on Thursday as well with uh, Mercury conjoining both uh, Acrux at 12 degrees of Scorpio and Alfeca at 12 degrees of Scorpio. And I'm going to go over to my star chart here. We'll take a look. We'll move forward to the 19th, if I can get it to work. Hold on a second. All right, so here we're looking at Thursday the 19th, and here's Venus, and Mercury is, where is, where is that wily guy? There he is, okay? There's Mercury. Mercury's hanging out in the middle of Scorpio, tropical Scorpio. Okay. And we have Alfeca right here in the northern crown. 
okay, Corona Borealis. And we have Acrux down here, okay? Very, very Southern latitude in the cross of matter here. Now I wonder, they almost seem equally distant from the ecliptic. So we're gonna be kind of bringing, trying to draw upon those energies simultaneously. Now Acrux and the cross of matter is kind of like, you can think about that like uh, a little mini natal chart in the sky, right? And you have the ascendant and descendant axis and the MC and the IC. You know, you have all of the qualities of like union, birth, breath, action uh, in public. And then you have like separation and judgment and then like your foundation here. And all of those themes come in with Acrux. It's about dealing with how do we incarnate in this? How do we deal with being incarnated on this universal or on this earth, okay? This is where if it's Mercury, thoughts become things. Careful about your thoughts and what you speak and, and try to speak into reality. This is where the dream could start to take shape or take form or where, where a dream could come out of form, right? Where because we're in Scorpio, this may be about letting go of a form, all right? We're infusing spirit into matter or we're separating spirit from matter, okay? You could come up with some practical ideas in this particular area of the zodiac. Now, what is going to be drawn upon with Alfeca? Well, this is the crown of flowers that was gifted to Ariadne by Aphrodite in her, at her wedding, to Dionysus. Now, Ariadne was a, a, a maiden from the, I believe, the Isle of Crete, who helped uh, the hero uh, Theseus. I think that's his name. Yeah, Theseus, who was um, trying to escape from the labyrinth of the Minotaur. And she helped him escape, like, but I think she gave him string to lead him out. And she left with Theseus, and then he abandoned her on some island. And uh, Dionysus was like, hey, here's, here's uh, an eligible bride. So they got married. And uh, this was the gift of Aphrodite. So this is a, uh, a fortunate gift of status or power. I mean, if, if in ancient Greek, uh, you know, it was probably better to be married to a god than to be married to a hero. <laughs> you know, like I think that, I think that was probably a, a step up you know, we're being gifted that status. And I talked last week about the sun conjoining Alfeco, where we were trying to crown a new king. We we're trying to gift status upon somebody. And uh, this fixed star had some associations with Princess Diana and uh, Grace Kelly, a, a princess of Monaco. So these change in statuses. So with Mercury there, Mercury destabilizes. So this may be where we're questioning our status. We're questioning maybe even a gift that we've been giving and saying, does it, is this really uh, benefiting me in the long term? Um, this could be also where you have some really great ideas that could lead to some commercial success. You could have a, a gift for communicating um, and you could, but I think that if I think about it in the Hellenistic way and I think about it in Schmidt way, uh, Mercury is, on the, is the lawyer right now arguing uh, on the status of your status. Does that make sense? <laughs> or we could say, well, what is, what is, is this a gift or isn't it? 
And uh, what is the price of this power? That was another theme with Alfeco was some people called it a crown of thorns because there was a, you know, some kind of downfall after a, a get being given that status. There was, you know, with Princess Diana, she kind of fell into this, uh, I don't, I'm not an expert with her, but she fell into this position of power and it doesn't sound like it made her all that happy. Uh, there was all sorts of issues that she had. She wasn't really happy in her marriage. Eventually she had an accident because she constantly was pursued by paparazzi and things like that. So, you know, the price of power. So you may be questioning those things as we move through Thursday. All right, let's move back to our chart and we'll move forward to Friday. Thanks for sticking around with me here. Again, these forecasts are long because I, I do like to not just give you the astrology, I like to teach as I do it. So this is, this is just me teaching as well as forecasting. Um, maybe those will be split into something separate later on, but this is the form it's taking right now. Okay, on Friday, 11-20, the 20th of November, the moon is in Aquarius, continuing the crescent phase. It'll be, the moon will be making a square to Uranus at 5.41 a.m. It will be squaring Mercury at 3.15 p.m. and sextiling Mars at 7.48 p.m. So a couple difficult aspects in the beginning of the day, moving into something energizing in the evening. Now, we have a number of fixed stars happening uh, on Friday, the 20th. The Mercury will be moving off of Alfeca and eventually coming into a conjunction with Zubin El Janubi. One second. Yeah, that doesn't happen till Saturday. So we'll, we'll wait for that one. But what we are seeing is at 29 degrees of Scorpio, okay, and the orbs of these fixed stars are kind of wide, uh, we will see the sun can join the fixed star Ptolemon, or I believe this is the alpha star in Centaurus or, or Kentari, I don't know, however you want to pronounce it. So let's take a look at that. So this is, we'll move forward to the 20th. Here's the sun and here is the centaur, okay? And Centaurus, it's also called Rigel Centaurus or Alpha Centaurus, Kentaurus. And this is Chiron. We have two centaurs in the sky, Chiron, and I believe this is uh, Crotus, is Sagittarius. And one is more the teacher and more, and more gentle. The other is a little more wild. And uh, Chiron was the gentle teacher, the healer, the musician. Um, Ptolemon means hereafter. Uh, this star was also known as, as Bungula. Uh, and, and I think that this is, um, we, can, we can think about this as the, the right foot of the centaur. And anything associated with a foot is maybe like a god touching the earth and wisdom being grounded. So this may be a, a fixed star where we're trying to ground some kind of wisdom. Uh, you know, Bernard Brady talks about seeking to expand your worldview. Uh, also, we can think about Chiron and the Chiron story as a, a wound that was difficult to heal. I mean, the story goes with Chiron that uh, we have this... Um, uh, I believe one of, you know, he came into contact with one of Hercules' poisoned arrows. And since Chiron was immortal, he, he didn't die, 
but he uh, was not able to heal that wound. So he goes through life with this suffering of this wound from Hercules's arrow. Now, this was also uh, a star that, that marked out the autumnal equinox from 3800 to 2575 BCE. The Egyptians associated it with the god Serket, who was a fertility god or goddess, but also wore a crown of like a, of a, like a scorpion crown. So this was someone who protected from like venom, snake bite. Uh, she was called, oh yes, it's a goddess. She who causes the throat to breathe or the throat to contract. So there were alternating significations of have you been stung by the poison of a scorpion? Or there was, uh, this. some of this comes from uh, Elizabeth Hazel's good book on fixed stars, a little book of fixed stars, where she speaks about this scorpion um, being uh, a representation of a water scorpion, not necessarily a land scorpion, which I guess would, would fit with, with uh, Scorpio, um, where the, the way that it moved or the way that it breathed like mimicked like the way that the throat breathes. So there's some interesting symbolism associated with that as far as like something with the breath. So it may be the paralysis of a, of a venomous snake or scorpion bite or sting, or it could be just the breath of life itself. So I, I think that, um, yeah, this is, a, this is a fixed star where we are kind of, it's about learning. I think it's about a sacrifice. Um, you can see here that Chiron is, is bringing a sacrifice to the altar. This is lupus, the, the wolf right here that it's holding on its spear. Um, it's spear, yeah. Uh, so I guess think about how can we finally move past if we bring in those, those significations of Scorpio 3. This may be the thing where you're finally gaining wisdom from being able to move past your material desire. What are you going to sacrifice at the altar? What are you going to give up so that you can move forward? What are you going to offer to the gods? What material form are you going to offer to the gods so that you can be infused with, with divine, divine inspiration again? I think this is part of that sacrifice ethos. It's like kind of like, what, what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to return to the collective so that you can, you know, move, move forward with manifesting something new. Okay. So think about that as we, as we experience Friday, the 20th. All right, let's move back and we're going to talk about Saturday. On Saturday, November the 21st, uh, we are going to be seeing the moon move from Aquarius to Pisces at 11.05 PM. So that's actually late in the day, so mostly an Aquarius moon if you're on the East Coast. Uh, we will begin our first quarter moon phase, um, and then Venus will move into Scorpio at 8.21 a.m., and the sun will move into Sagittarius at 3.39 p.m. That's when we see Mercury conjoin Zubin El Janubi, too, if I go forward by just a few hours here, at about 15 degrees of Scorpio. Yeah, we're going to see it applying. Yeah, we're going to get there by the end of the day. So let's break down all of those symbols. All right, so let's start with Venus moving into Scorpio. All right, so this is a face that is double Mars ruled. 
Chaldean and triplicity method. Uh, the tarot card was the five of cups where we see the figure that is mourning the, the three spilled cups, but there are two cups that are still upright behind him. Uh, Book T calls this deck in loss and pleasure. Toth calls it uh, disappointment and Austin Coppock calls it a jawbone. It's associated, it's associative daimon is the nymphi who were uh, little spirits of desire. Um, so we could talk about lust, desi desiring union, uh, desiring, exaggerating sexual or romantic desires. Venus is, of course, in its exile in this particular uh, decan because it's Mars ruled. So we may be trying to create harmony through pursuing something rather than letting it come to us. Also through creating separation. Um, there's, you know, there's some jealousy associated with Venus and Scorpio because you're, you're, you're creating this conflict. You may want to possess something, but, it, but you feel like you aren't able to receive it and yet may cr cause some internal anger, jealousy, possessiveness, okay? So try to bring your hunger back into balance. Uh, try to, to, to uh, you know, not get too lustful when it comes to the things that you want. Um, our aesthetics change when Venus changes signs too, so we may be attracted to to death, we may be attracted to dark, you know, gothic things with this this particular placement. Um, it's something where we, you know, the collective is trying to bring catharsis and artistic expression through this particular channel as well. And this is the channel where we're separating the body from the spirit to return the spirit to the collective and to return the body back to the 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 earth. Um, with Mercury in uh, conjoining Zubin El Janubi. Remember, this was the southern claw or the southern pan of the scales, and they call this insufficient price. So this is where the scale is kind of out of whack. It's out of balance, um, and it was the, the southern claw. So anything that's below the ecliptic uh, in the southern, if you have two stars that are pairs and one is in the north and one is in the south, the northern one is generally considered favorable, and the southern one is considered harsher. So this one was, was associated with merciless punishment, paying your dues. Uh, and I would say with its, its uh, relationship with Mercury, this may be where we're speaking up about injustices. We may be com communicating a difficult verdict or a difficult reality to someone where we're having to really just come to terms with the reality and saying, this is the reality. Come to terms with it, you know, like move on. <laughs> like, so, and that may be hard to hear. Um, we may be questioning whether a punishment that we've received is unfair. So you could see people trying to contest what they feel is an un unjust punishment. We're seeing this with Donald Trump right now saying, oh, the election wasn't fair. I'm going to start all these lawsuits and things like that. So that may be something that comes into play. Um, the planetary, there's usually a, a planetary uh, essence to a fixed star that we get, for, I believe, from Ptolemy. Uh, and Zubin al Janubi is the essence of Jupiter and Mars. So we have some judgment, but it's one that we don't like with Mars, you know. And uh, Zubin al Janubi, I believe, was, was uh, Jupiter and Mercury. I could be wrong on that, but it was a more favorable verdict. Um, we'll have to look at that when we get to Zubin. Uh, I mean, Zubin al Shamali, I meant, was the more positive star. So the other thing that we're experiencing on Saturday, though, the 21st, is a big change. The sun is moving into Sagittarius. And that happens at 3.39 p.m. So this is a, a, a temple that is, is like 
Jupiter, like Jupiter is its host. Okay. So, but one distinction that Schmidt made is that um, you got to think about it. Like the, the, these are just places, they're birth channels and they, they like, think about it as a, as a house. And this house is like Jupiter. It wants to confirm, it wants to stabilize, it wants to uh, move towards abundance, right? And the, the tarot card associated with this first decan is the eight of wands, which is called swiftness. Uh, Austin Kappa calls this the poisoned arrow. This is all about speed. This face is ruled by Mercury and Jupiter. Now we have to remember that Jupiter is in aversion to the sun now. Jupiter is also in its fall, so not able to get the, the resources it needs to, to move forward. So we may have an awareness of a goal that we want to, to move towards. And this, this, is, this Deccan is all about moving towards a goal. The daimon associated with it is called loimos, L-O-I-M-O-S. And this was a spirit that was associated with pestilence, plague, disease. Um, but there's an interesting uh, meaning that I found when I was looking this up. Uh, loimos means in Greek to become a pest, like to spread, like you could think of it like spreading your beliefs. What does a plague do? It spreads. A, a plague, Austin Kopic points out that a plague needs a host. So you may be spreading your beliefs, you may be spreading your enthusiasm, or maybe you're spreading your poison. So you have to think about, are the beliefs that you're trying to spread around, is the goal that you're moving towards, is it worthy? And I would highly, highly caution you uh, about moving too quickly towards something while Jupiter is in Capricorn. Now, Jupiter is going to move out of Capricorn and into Aquarius, uh, I believe, by the end of the sun's time in Sagittarius. So just be patient because you may be able to refine the goal much better when Jupiter isn't like drawing upon this depressed, you know, position. Now, one, one thing that, that is clear uh, in Austin's book is that if you don't have uh, a goal, you, you can become a host for someone else's goal, like you can become a, a, a host for a disease. So it's important to try to get clear on what your self-directed goals are. He also talks about the bow and the arrow. In ancient times, there wasn't a centaur with this. It was just a bow and an arrow. Like, and, and this is true in other cultures too. In Chinese culture, there was, this is associated with the bow and the arrow. And the bow is the, ve the vehicle and the arrow is, is like what is being carried, okay? So like our body is the bow, our intention, our, our, where we're, what we're trying to hit with the mark, the mark with is the arrow. So be careful that you don't become uh, a vehicle for other people's arrows because that can, that can be a really thankless position to be in. Um, really get clear on what your, what your motivation is and what you're, what you're trying to move towards, okay? And you will gain vitality, the sun, and you will gain the satisfaction of, of awareness, of knowledge, of spiritual knowledge, when you understand what your own spiritually motivated quest is. Now, again, one last warning. The spiritual quest that you think you're on may be motivated by material things with Jupiter and Capricorn. It, it may be much more motivated by uh, helping the collective once Jupiter moves into Aquarius, okay? So just be patient. Question whether you're trying to have some sort of selfish goal that is not rooted in your spiritual higher self, but in some sort of pursuit of 
material, I don't know, could be pursuit of money, it could be pursuit of resources, it could be pursuit of status. That's one, one thing to watch out for with Jupiter in the third decade of Capricorn is you may be pursuing, you know, a position of power that isn't spiritually motivated. It's just motivated by earthly power. Okay. All right. Now, the last thing that's happening on Saturday, the 21st, is the moon is moving into a square position with the sun. Okay. So around very late in the evening, the moon is going to move into Pisces. Okay. Let's just pretend like it's here in Pisces. And it's going to be making a square to the, the newly ingressed sun in Sagittarius. So we might feel this a little bit more on Sunday. But what are we, what are we squaring here? We're squaring motion, action, a goal with potentially going inter an external goal with potentially going off into our imaginations, into our minds to search out internal meaning. So this may be the point where you're having a little bit of an existential crisis about why am I going? Why am I? What is my goal? What do I really want to do? What does it mean? Does it give me meaning? Okay. It's an existential crisis of faith. Do I really have faith in the goal that I'm pursuing? You know, we're trying to, uh, we may have a desire to escape into the labyrinth of the mind, which is the labyrinth is what Austin Coppock calls the first decan of Pisces. So take some time. Take some time to meditate on the goal. Slow down a little bit. I know that you're going to want to move forward, but take some time to meditate. And if, it, if that goal is going to bring meaning into your life, or if it's just a selfish, selfishly materially motivated. All right. Let's finish up with Sunday. All right, on Sunday, let me move my chart forward. Okay, on Sunday, November the 22nd, a couple lunar aspects, excuse me. The moon will be trining uh, the newly ingressed Venus into Scorpio from Pisces at zero degrees at 12.42 a.m., and then sextiling Uranus at 7 degrees of Pisces and Taurus at 2.10 p.m. Now, the interesting thing of that is occurring on Sunday is Mercury will be moving back under the beams of the sun. And you can see this here. There is a 15-degree arc of separation between Mercury and the sun. And that is when the light or the beams of the sun make Mercury invisible again. So Mercury under the sun's beams is like Mercury has put on the invisibility cloak or has gone back into the underworld to retrieve some kind of, retrieve a soul or to retrieve some information or to retrieve some kind of something. And he's crossing over the boundary into becoming hidden again. So this may be a time where we're really like hiding away uh, what we're doing. We may become a little bit more secretive about our projects or things like that. And we're preparing for this next Kazemi moment that happens on the 19th of December at 28 degrees of Sagittarius. Now, that's also very close to the day that Jupiter moves into Aquarius. I believe that is the day. And very close to the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction 
that happens a, a day or two later. All right. So we're preparing for that, that big reveal at the end of December, okay, where we're shifting that paradigm. This is called the lying hidden phase in Hellenistic astrology. Uh, it is a superior conjunction, which means that it's coming from as a morning star. Okay, so it is coming from the the uh, the superior position in the zodiac, and it is direct in motion. So when we experience the superior conjunction, Mercury is moving really fast. So we may be getting a lot of ideas, and we don't necessarily have to do anything about them yet. Uh, but we are getting a lot of things that we might want to do that are going to come together at that Kazemi moment of gnosis and that rebirth again of Mercury. Okay. So, you know, try to try to do your research, let go of the things that you need to let go of. And then you might have the birth of a new mission when, when Mercury comes back into conjunction with the sun on the 19th. Okay. All right. That's what I've got for this week. Thank you for sticking it out with me here. Looking ahead to next week, the uh, 23rd through the 29th, um, a lot of Mercury contacts. Mercury will be trining Neptune on the 23rd. It will be conjoining the fixed star Zubin El Shamali on Tuesday, the 24th. It moves into Scorpio 3 on the 25th. Uh, Mercury will be conjoining the fixed star Unakal High, that the heart of the serpent on I believe Thanksgiving is the 26th. Uh, so try not to get any fights with your relatives or have too much passion um, or too much pumpkin pie. I don't know. Uh, on Friday, the 27th, Mercury will make a sextile to Pluto and Venus will be opposing Uranus. Okay. Neptune will station direct on the 28th of November and then Mercury will sextile Jupiter on the 28th and we'll finish off the week with Venus moving into the second decan of Scorpio. Highly, 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 highly encourage you all to uh, pare down your Thanksgiving celebrations. Uh, a small group, if you have to get together, consider the possibility of doing a virtual Thanksgiving with folks. You will survive. And I hope that you have a better chance of your loved ones making it through this if, if we all do our part and maybe give up the idealization or the idealized version of the holiday. I know it's tough. I love Thanksgiving. I love to eat. I love, uh, you know, getting together with people and sharing food. That's a really nice thing. But I think that in this particular circumstance, um, taking the long view is the smart thing to do. And I, I would, I hope for all of you that you can find a way to connect with your loved ones while still being safe and, and protecting your community and your loved ones from, from a, a terrible disease. So that's what I've got this week. Thank you all for hanging out with me. Thank you for supporting the podcast. If you are wanting to do your part, make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and SoundCloud and Facebook and Instagram, Twitter. Uh, hit that like button. Leave me a comment. Let me know how things are going for you and what kind of things you're trying to shed so that something new can be born. If you want to support what I do and the work that I do materially, there are a few donation links with Venmo and with PayPal Me that are shared in the, the video description. Uh, you can also reach out for a reading. That is a great way to support the work that I do and to get some, some, uh, some knowledge about your own life and what the, what the stars have in store for you and how you can work together with the planetary deities to create a life that reflects what the cosmos has in mind for you as well. You can work together with the divine, co-create with the divine, so to speak. And uh, yeah, 
that's what I've got. So be good to one another, be patient with the process, and I will see you the next time. Peace.